Hello, ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from the coast of Carolina, South Carolina, low country, direct to you. This is the Paul Leslie Hour. Welcome to the show, folks. Now, today we've got an interview from the archives with Hugo Duarte. Hugo was a singer, songwriter, musician of great talent who has since, sadly, passed away. Now, this interview was recorded down in Key West, Florida at the Hog's Breath Saloon and was originally broadcast several years ago. Hugo Duarte had just come out with his album, Don't Be Fooled by the Hat. Paul had hoped that there would be another interview with Hugo sometime along with some in-studio performances, but sadly that never materialized. Hugo was born in Greenville, South Carolina, 1955. Hugo resided in Wilmington, North Carolina for a while, where he passed away in 2014. Although Hugo Duarte performed in many places, he was a regular on the Key West music scene, playing some of the most famed venues, both as a solo performer and with his musician friends, the Full Sail Band. Hugo Duarte was an exceptional storyteller. One of the best, really. A lot of his songs were historical in nature. You see, Hugo was a photographer. He was a golfer and a Civil War history buff. It's hard to describe him succinctly. Well, probably impossible. If you ever had the chance to see him live, you never forgot that, did you? Well, this interview is somewhat brief, but it's our sincere hope that it inspires you to find his albums. Here it is, folks, a rare interview with a great talent, Hugo Duarte. Key West is the place. We're here at the Hog's Breath with Mr. Hugo Duarte. He's taking some time to talk to us. Hello, Hugo. How are you doing, Paul? I'm great. Thank you so much for making the time to do this. No problem. It's my pleasure. The first thing that steps into my mind is uh, how interesting of a handle Hugo Duarte is. That's a cool name. Tell us uh, a little bit about your heritage. Well, I'm named after my father. The heritage is on my father's side, Cuban and Chinese. And on my mother's side, Scots-Irish. Um, my grandmother on my dad's side was full-blooded Chinese. And uh, my grandfather, uh, I assume, was of Spanish descent, but Cuban, um, born and raised. And speaking of Cuban, there's one of your songs called Havana Flamingo which is a really nice song. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that song. Well, I didn't write that song. It, it was actually written by Chris Gantry and Chuck Crummel um, during the time of the Mariel boat lift, which I was living in Key West at the time, and it was a, it was a very interesting situation. Um, I remember Mallory Dog being covered up with every kind of, every description of boat that you could possibly imagine where these people bailed out of Cuba and, and took advantage of um, the that whole situation in, in order to escape from that um, lifestyle down in Cuba. And, um, of course, the big stink in, in the press and so on and so forth was 
about how many of criminals and so on and undesirable quote unquote people um, came to the United States from that. But I, I really think that that was a, a remarkable thing. Um, the first time I heard the song, I knew that I wanted to record it because uh, I, there's half of my family still living in Cuba that I don't know. I, I have no contact uh, or very little contact. Uh, there's one cousin that I email with uh, on occasion, but they speak Spanish. I speak none, so our communication is difficult. And 90 miles north of Cuba is the island of Key West, and you've made your home here. What brought you to Key West? Originally, my my dad was brought to the United States by um, a missionary family that lived here in Key West for a long time, and then um, so when I first came down to this area, it was primarily to meet some of those people that my father had um, lived with, and there were a number of his friends from Cuba um, that were living here in Key West, one of them being a guy named Gene Negrin, who was a very musically oriented person. He played in, in several bands, played at the Two Friends, played in the in the the Key West Funeral Band, and so on. He was one of my father's best friends in in Cuba, so I learned a great deal about my dad by um, getting to be around these people and and getting to talk to them. And their um, his his father was Negrin's father was the missionary that brought my dad to this country. And and he came in 1949 with uh, with with the idea in mind that he wanted to be educated in in the United States. I caught your show last night uh, at the Hog's Breath, and I was really blown away by not only your own music, but uh, Fingers Taylor was playing with you, and he was blowing a mean harp, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there were, it was a great show, a great time. I really like the Allman Brothers. Uh, cover that was cool so uh tell me about how you met fingers taylor years ago when i was living here in key west um there were the the bar where margaritaville is currently uh back in the day was called del rio's and we were the house band there and uh i'd met jimmy a year or two before that when we were playing down the, the, the pier house hotel and he came in and, and sat in with us a couple of times and we kind of kind of got to be friendly and and um i i always respected his music and and his writing and he i i think that he really appreciated what we were doing because we were we were a little we were different from most of the people that were playing here on the island we were doing our own thing we were writing our own music and that kind of thing and he would come in and see us play and we we got a gig at the at Del Rio's as the house band and and Jimmy would come in and and on several occasions he brought his whole crew in uh with him to hear us play and um that's when we met Fingers we also met Larry Lee who ended up being my our record producer and uh Michael Utley uh Sam Clayton um Ralph McDonald all a lot of those guys um would come in and hear us play and that's how we got to know them um, and then we'd see we'd see Jimmy on the road in various concert locations where we'd run into each other, and he would he'd 
let us know he was going to be in town and give us passes and whatever. And we'd always go in and talk to the guys in the band, uh, particularly Fingers and, and Michael. And um, I don't know, Greg and I just kind of had some kind of spark that was there that um, we we knew that that uh, we both enjoyed making music together. And last year, we did a cruise down to Mexico, and we were both on the cruise, and we kind of reconnected, spent a lot of time together, played together on a number of occasions during that cruise, and uh, and we stayed in touch after that. And I had I had asked him to if if he'd be interested in performing on our new album, and he said yes. And unfortunately, circumstances prevented that from actually happening. But um, it was it was quite a treat to to know that Greg was willing and and ready to come and do it for us. That was uh, a real treat for me. There's one really uh, fun song, and it's called Cutie. And there were a lot of them last night. Tell me how you got the inspiration for Cutie. There was a girl that um, I was playing at the Pier House Hotel, and uh, they have a, a private area of the beach there at the Pier House where they allow the ladies to sunbathe topless. And part of the deal that they offered us to come and play at the hotel was that we had access to all areas of the hotel and um, and the amenities that go along with that. So I, I met a, a young lady on the beach that um, was quite topless, and she was very attractive. And uh, I went down and spent an afternoon trying so hard to get a date with her, and she just could didn't didn't see things my way at all. So uh, I decided that I, it hurt my feelings. And I, I went I went back to the apartment and hung out for a little while, and then I thought, well, yeah. I'm a songwriter, so I can I can take this scenario and write it any way I want to. So I wrote it as if I'd been successful on my on my pitch for a date. I wanted to ask what the, the significance of the piracy thing was. You got the song "Modern Day Buccaneers," and I got to tell you, you look a little piratey. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, and. At the time when I first arrived in Key West, there was um, there was a bit of smuggling going on. It's kind of like a it was a lifestyle. I think it was an I think it was an extension of the hippie lifestyle, Hunter Thompson style. If you if you want to look at it that way, and a lot of these guys were just uh, opportunists um, that came down here and. Um, I think in back in that day, Key West was more of a renegade kind of society down here with all the artists and writers and um, people that um, made the island famous. Jimmy was part of that. You know, Tom McGuane, Tom Corcoran, um, Phil Caputo, all these great writers and interesting people. Um, but there, there was it was more like um, a, a dare kind of thing. It was like, let's see if we can get away with it. You know, if if we do, we do. If we don't, well, you know, we roll the dice and and whatever happened happened. But there were a lot of guys that would go down to the Yucatan and and you know grab a load of pot or whatever and bring it back. And I I thought that was very interesting. I'd hear these stories late late nights in the bars after I'd get off work and I'd be talking to these people, you know, and and they 
um, one of the one of the things that's most magic about Key West is that the, the people will tell you stories here, that, and they all have a million stories here. It's always been famous for that for that kind of spirit and that um, braggadocious kind of kind of thing. And and if you think back on um, songs that Jimmy wrote, for example, uh, "Pirate Looks at 40, um, was exactly about that kind of thing and that kind that kind of person. Um, so, Modern Day Buccaneers for me was a, about some specific people that I knew, and I wrote it in the first person because that seemed to me the best way to present the idea and get it across. Even though I I, I was just relating stories that had been related to me. There were two albums, and now there's three. So tell us about the new album and anything else new in the world of Hugo Duarte. The new album's great, and I I'm I, I think it's it's going to be a watermark for us. Um, Content-wise, I think it's some of the best music I've ever written. Um, we got a couple other songs that were older songs. There were a couple of songs that are brand new. I mean, even to the point where we were recording on a Monday and we wrote the song on the Thursday before we went in the studio. So there, it was it was a combination of um, a lot of a, a big span of time represented in all of this music. One of the songs on the album uh, called "Hidden River." Um, I'd actually lost for about 27 years, and and the song. Had, had came back to me uh, in a recording that I'd made for a friend that went all the way across the country and stayed there for 20 years and then made its way all the way back to the East Coast um, where it was where it found me again. So um, the album is called "Don't Be Fooled by the Hat," which I, is 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 a is a great title. I like that. I. I think that people these days are are quick to judge on their first impression, and I find through my own experience that um, many times our first impressions that we we base on information that we see with our eyes or an assumption that we make or a conclusion that we jump to many times is absolutely wrong and um I'm I'm prone to wear a cowboy hat on occasion, and people automatically assume I'm a country singer. I don't consider myself that. I think I'm more of a southern southern rock kind of guy, or or um, at least country rock. But um, a lot of people just see me in a cowboy hat, and they'll go, "Oh, he's playing country music. Let's go somewhere else." Even bef- and may and may make that decision before I've ever even played a note. So that that was how the "Don't Be Fooled by the Hat" um, concept for the album and also the title song came about. This program goes out all over the world. Not everyone in the world listens, but that's not the point. What would you, Hugo Duarte, like to say to the world? Well, I, that's an interesting that's an interesting question. I I think that probably what I would most want to say is that I believe that the music that I'm doing is is viable, and I I believe that it's it has substance and depth and and some meaning that is lasting. We we don't really write 
um, songs to be comedy or novelty or whatever. I think most of these songs have a serious piece to them even though they may be set in a in a in a humorous kind of context like cutie or you know modern day buccaneers or some of those that are that are light and and popping but i I think probably what i would say is that i've I've got something that i believe is good that i'd like to offer and i'd really love for people to hear it and how can the listeners find out more about Hugo Duarte. Well, we have two websites that they can look me up on. We have www.hillbillybeach.com, and we also have www.hugoduarte.com. Hugo, it's been real cool talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. I enjoyed it. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song... Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.